everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi everyone, Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing, and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Candy Lee. Candy Lee is a mindset coach and yoga instructor. She was in the aftermath of her divorce and trying to support her three kids when she got laid off, not once, but twice from the same company after a 20-year career. All this while she was physically recovering from back surgery and emotionally recovering from her home getting robbed twice. I see a lot of things happening there. And Candy was at her breaking point, understandably, devastated and not sure what to do next. So she literally got in her car and started driving in an attempt to get lost and hopefully finally find herself. Her book, Finding Life in Between, takes readers on the ride of her recovery journey. It contains real-life examples of the inner work that we can choose to do to develop the mindset to survive the jolts of life. So welcome, Candy. Thank you, Larissa, so much for having me here today. Yes, well, and that, I mean, I have to say I've been in similar situations in my life where it's just like one thing after another after another happens, but that that is a lot. So can you share a little bit of that story and the path that's brought you to where you are now? Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. And sometimes, you know, when I hear, I hear somebody reading that back and I'm just like, how did that even happen? Like, how could I possibly have lived through that? Or how did, how did that happen to me? Um, so when I think back, um, I think back to going through the motions of life. And I think it's something that a lot of us find ourselves in. And I refer to it as the days that I kind of muscled and hustled through life. And it was going through the motions of living the definition of what I look back now at as somebody else's definition of success. And I really think about it as trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to hustle into a title or a position that I thought was going to be the right thing for me based on what my education was and in the midst well, and, and what my career goals were at the time. And all of that was good in those moments. And there was nothing wrong with it. There was, there was a lot of achievement and a lot of drive. But in, in that timeline and in those moments, life was happening. And first of all, the robberies happened when my home was robbed. Um, that was the result of somebody else's choices, right? Like these things that happened to me in my life. Um, the first time that I was robbed, right, you, that, that kind of rocked my world. That's not supposed to happen when you live in a certain neighborhood or when certain things happen, but really life happens anywhere. There is no protection from certain things. And so, you know, that, that robbery kind of rocked my world and rocked my security, first of all. And then fast forward, I had, um, I have degenerative disc disease. And that is something that maybe, maybe some of your listeners can relate to having um, back issues, having back pain, chronic back pain. And my, um, my discs got to a point where I required surgery. 
So I also played a sport and I was an athlete. Um, I played roller derby for six years and I loved it. And it was a lot of fun. And it, it was a great outlet for um, some of the emotional and physical needs that I had in going through a painful divorce. Um, because the pain and shame of divorce is something that everyone experiences in their own unique way. Um, my girlfriend and I were just saying divorce is a very, um, like divorce is the same no matter what because of the legality of it and divorce is different no matter what, because everybody experiences their own unique mm -hmm. journey with it. And so, um, you know, so I was, I was going through the sport and, and my injury in my back or the degenerative discs in my back got to a point where I required having a disc, um, a spinal fusion surgery. So I got, um, I wound up having the surgery and <laughs> I was finally in this position where I, I had was forced into stillness. And it was when I was still that finally my body, my soul, my mind, everything was like, stop, look at your life. You are forced into stillness and silence where you really need to pay attention to what is all happening around you. And so that muscling and hustling, the recovery from getting robbed, but not once, but twice at, at that point, um, from trying to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, working the, working the corporate job, um, the trying to raise your kids and get them to everything that they needed to do and be, and um, all of that stuff all of a sudden was stop, look at who can help you do these things. Um, you can't get that workout in because your workout literally today is getting yourself to take a shower and get back to your chair. Uh, it's, it was such a uh, 180 from what I had been doing that I needed to just all of a sudden be still. And in that stillness is when all of a sudden things were like, wait, what am I doing? And then on my first day back after those three months off for FMLA was when I was laid off on my very first day back for the first time, right? That was the first time I was laid off. And so when all of that happened, I was like, okay, I'm starting to get some signs here, some signs and signals that life needs to change. And it was in, during that um, first hiatus from my corporate job was when I left on my road trip to write my book. And um, so we, get, we can go on from there, but that gives you kind of the big picture of how the noise, the hustle, the muscle, went to a certain stillness that started giving me the indication that I needed to make some life changes. Um, and when the universe spoke to me in that way, I started to listen. I didn't listen fully. I will give you that preview, <laughs> but I did start to listen. <laughs> I completely understand that. I, you know, but yes. And, and I, I, just as I was listening to you talk about this, it reminds me of COVID and the pandemic and how we all just had to do a 180. And it was like some people have just stopped and listened and learned a lot. And other people are still frantically trying to, you know, figure out what's gone wrong and how we can put it back together the way it was. And we may never be able to. And so it, it just made me think of that when you were talking. Right, right. And these are some things where um, another girlfriend and I just had this conversation where like, we can look at COVID and we can rebuild, right? Because life has certainly changed. We, there are so many different shifts. We've had to pivot because of COVID. And what are some lessons that we've learned? What, what have we learned that we can now build back differently? What can we take with us from COVID that we've, what have we learned to do differently that we can take with us? What can we leave behind? What are things that we used to do that we no longer need to do? 
Um, and just what, how can we step forward with a new grace, with a new, new opening to, to doing things differently that we can build better than we were before? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So what would you say healing with creativity means to you? Oh, healing with creativity. Well, I think I, to start with, I would say that this writing road trip, that became something that I didn't really know that I needed. And the healing with creativity. So I'll, I'll start with this. My book is called Finding Life in Between. And, and it, that was not the book that I tried to write, Larissa. I tried to write a book that was going to be called Unwritten, like stories of relationships from the open road. or some, It was something like that because I was going to write about other people. My, my, my goal was to go on this road trip and interview people and talk about their relationships and the human connection and this experience, experiences that bind us all together. And I was probably day two or three into the road trip. And I'm like, this is not what I'm writing about. This is so reflective in nature. And I keep on writing about my own life's lessons as they're coming up based on these conversations that I've learned, learned as I'm having these conversations with people. And I keep, you know, it's, it's all about what I've learned, what I've experienced, and perhaps what other people could learn from them, or maybe people don't have to stumble through life the same way that I did. And, um, so the creativity and the healing that came through that writing became cathartic for me in a way that I didn't anticipate. And what has transpired since that book was written and subsequently released, I think, was the opportunity for me to oftentimes share with people, well, they'll say to me, um, I think I have a book inside me, what should I do? And I'll say, just write, just write it. Um, because even if you never release it, if you've written it, you have something to work through, something to go back and look back on. And you never know that it, it might change your, your life. It might change the way you look at something. Or if you do release it, or if you do share it, you do anything with it, your journey, your words might be a part of someone else's healing. And that creativity might spark something for somebody else that you don't even know that you'll be a part of. And that has certainly happened for me. And what I didn't know is that my healing would be a part of other people's healing journeys as well. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It is so true. So then what would you say inspires you in the work that you do? Oh my goodness, so much, so many different things. So many different people inspire me. Different experiences inspire me. And um, I, think, I think right now what inspires me the most is hearing from people, learning from people, um, watching other people on their own journeys inspires me. Um, I'm a member of a lot of different groups, um, keeping in touch with, with the teachers that I'm a part of, you know, yoga teacher training with. Um, he, just hearing people walk through and navigate their soul journeys, moving out of their own lessons of, you know, guilt and fear and shame and moving into love and freedom and enlightenment and abundance. Um, because the truth is we all go through all of that. There's, there is no constant happiness and enlightenment and joy. Like we all, we all think that we all live, would like to live there all the time, but as humans, we did, right? Like we, we, we all slip into times of sadness or times of grief or times of despair. Um, and, and it's, I guess, truthfully, there is no good or bad. They all, those emotions, they all just are. 
And as we go through that and we have those journeys, I think what inspires me the most is to watch and know that we all go through that together. Um, or we not necessarily together, we all go through that. And if we all can have the courage to kind of talk about that or bring that to the forefront, um, that inspires me to know that we can, can stand in truth in that and own it and come, come across it, come through it and stand on the other side of it and love ourselves enough on the other side of that too. Oh, that's so important. So important. I think that the idea of sharing is really important too, right? Because then you recognize that you're not alone in. So yes, we're all going through our own thing, but there's so many similarities on those paths. And and, we don't always know that. Right. And like, and Brene Brown talks about it too. Like, let's not add shame to the fact that we, we all go through this stuff. Like we don't have to add shame to the top, to on top of the fact that we're all, you know, afraid of things sometimes. Um, let's just all be courageous enough to to stand in the in the truth of the fact that we all get angry sometimes. We all have a little bit of pride sometimes. We all, you know, we all do these things. Let's just not shame each other for it. Let's just be truthful and love each other and love ourselves enough to just share it and get through it and like help each other navigate these waters together. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So then I, I think I might know the answer, but what is the creative healing modality you use the most for yourself? <laughs> I, th- I think writing is probably one of them. <laughs> I was going to um, say that. <laughs> <laughs> writing is definitely one of them. Um, but I would say in addition to that, um, I definitely have a daily meditation practice that helps me stay grounded. Um, and even it, it's, it's a daily meditation in the morning. Um, that helps me just stay connected, stay rooted, stay strong. Um, and even when I'm starting to feel anxiety, so let's just stand in truth about that. You know, sometimes if I'm feeling worked up, um, feeling I can feel, you know, feel it in my chest, feel a tightness in my throat, anything like that, I will pause and get connected to my breath or even um, like do, do tapping on my fingers just to like connect and take an inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, just to try to like, ground myself, reconnect, and just remind myself like where I am here, you know, I'm, I am here now and easy mantras just to like stay connected and ground. And whether that's, whether that's just for daily living or to get back, like get into a flow for creativity. Um, I think that's, a, that's one I would add as well. Yeah. For me as well. It's very important. I do my my meditation and journaling every morning. It's awesome. so important. Right. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what would you say that you're the proudest of in your life? Oh, I'm the proudest of my kids. The proudest of my, I'm a proud mom. Um, my kids are 19, 17, and 14 right now. And I think I am the proudest of my relationship with them. With them. I'm the proudest of the young adults, like the the incredible humans that like, they start out as these little people, like how, what are, how is this going to work? How, what are they going to become? Right. Like it's, it's a miracle that they're even here and born and they just have become these incredible humans. And, um, I am in awe of them. I, I love them. I, I am, I'm so proud of the independence that they have of the majority of the choices that they make of the, of the, um, 
the age appropriate decisions, both good and bad that they make. Um, I love watching them step into their um, power and their authority of who they are. Um, and it's, I mean, it's such a great adventure to be a mom. And, um, and so I'm very proud of that. And I, um, I'm sometimes I wonder like, I'm I, like, I'm blessed. I wonder like, are you sure you trusted me with three of them? Like, <laughs> like am I the right one to have three? Um, but I guess so. Cause here we are. Um, so I'm just, I'm very, I'm, I'm humbled by having the three of them. I am grateful and I'm filled with love and, and I'm so proud of, of being their mom. It's the greatest gift for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. It, and we do get that a lot from um, the moms that come on. I have to say that, yeah, our kids and because they are, they're just a huge part of, of us, right? Our yeah. kids are so, yeah, it's so important. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? Oh, well, what immediately came up for me is um, something that I share with my kids really often. And that is that I always ask them to come from a place of love. And um, I think that if, if I were to say one change in society is that I think that people often react instead of respond. Um, We're very quick, we collectively are very quick to sit behind a keyboard and fire off messages that are, that are easily too hot or too um, reactive. And instead of maybe pausing to really think through, um, what do I want this message to say? If I wait for my emotional wave to, to calm, Um, and I really sit and come from a place of love. What would this message, what is my intent with this message? What do I want the words to sound like, to feel like, and to be, if I picked up the phone, would it be different? If I waited till we were face to face, would this be different? Um, and no matter, no matter what that looks like, I think that if we all just paused and came from a place of love, um, we could, we could heal we could heal people, we could heal wounds, we could prevent wounds, uh, we could prevent word wounds, and um, we could work better together. I love that answer, because it's so true. It's so easy, especially in our, um, like, we're in this technological age where everything is online, and and it's so easy when we get caught up in something, we see something that offends us, or we see something we don't agree with, or you know, whatever it is, and we whip something off. And I know I've been guilty of it too, um, even though I really try hard not to. And if you think back, and then I've gone back and had to apologize because it's like, yeah, in the moment that triggered me because of, you know, and, and yeah, I think if we can just take those moments first, which I try to do, if we can take those moments first and think about where the other person may be coming from or where we're coming from, that's so important. Right. And I always think too, if I'm triggered, if I'm triggered by something, what does it say about me? Mm-hmm. This is, it's a mirror for me. And if it, this means that there's a wound in me, that there's something coming up that I need to heal. So I need to sit with it. That's, it says something about me if there's a trigger there. So what in me needs to heal? And that's, chances are somebody's not coming at me just because they're trying to come at me. 
chances are their intent is not to like get at me today. And if there is, that says more about them than there is about me. Right. Mm -hmm. But if there's a trigger, I need to sit with it. There's something in there that I need to uncover and do some inner work about. And if I can, and if I can do that and uncover it, and then I can respond from a place of love, not only for the other person, but also for myself, then we both have a chance to step forward. We both have a chance to heal, right? We can move forward together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So imposter syndrome is one of those things that um, I'm learning most people, I have always said women have struggled with, but as I've interviewed more and more men, I I realize it's a struggle we all have. Um, So have you struggled with imposter syndrome? And if so, how have you worked through that? Oh, that's such a great, great topic. Great question. Yes, 100%. Yes, imposter syndrome is real. And I have absolutely dealt with it. And I think that um, imposter syndrome is one of those things that it just takes time and um, presence and practice to get through. And I would say that for me specifically, one of the ways that I dealt with this was Um, and I'll, and I'll start right when, so I got laid off. We talked about this in the beginning. And so I was laid off from my job and I said, I'm going to write a book. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm an author. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm an author. Okay. I can say it. I'm an author. Okay. Yes, I am an author. (laughs) So it took a while just to say that. And then to say, I am an international best-selling author. And even to say that today still seems a little like, oh, that seems funny, right? That doesn't seem like it could possibly be real. Um, So I think it just takes practice and time to try on and then to accept this new, like this new cloak or this new hat that we get to wear. Um, So the practice and the time is one thing. But as we go forward, um, it's it's also as if for for 20 years, I was an employee of a company and people knew me as the consultant or the, the manager of a certain team or the person who was an expert on X because I sat in a specific aisle or I did a certain thing or I had you know, certain relationships or they could call me and I would know what to do about certain you know, projects or certain um, uh, things that needed to be done for a certain area of the company. Well, all of a sudden, all of that changed. So when that changed, it was like, well, what, what do I do now? How do I... How do I represent myself? And so I think when you start to build your brand, it just takes time and it takes iterations of yourself. And I did have a conversation with somebody um, who's an entrepreneur, um, an author. She's an international speaker. She's a, a fantastic woman all around, fantastic consultant and coach. And she said to me, she's like, it's very normal in your first year to reinvent yourself or rebrand yourself or get a new tagline. She's like, don't worry about that. If you feel like you're stumbling through that, just do it because, you know, it takes a little while to try on your persona and to, to test out what your title and your tagline is. She's like, that's a very normal and natural thing for new entrepreneurs to do because of imposter syndrome, because it just feels funny when you go from being who you were for 20 years to stepping out on your own. So with that in mind, I would just go back to like, just practice, just say it out loud and then just claim it. Like, yes, I am an author. Yes, I'm an international best-selling author. Or like, I now I am a yoga teacher. I am a yoga teacher, a coach, a mindset coach, and, a, and an author. It just takes the time and practice to get there. It is. It's so true. And you just have to keep repeating it to yourself till you believe it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> it's true. So can you tell us a little bit about your book? And so you went on this, this car trip and wrote it. And so can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm going to reach up and grab it here. So here it is. It's called Finding Life in Between. Um, and so what happened was I hopped in my car and I went on this road trip and I had mapped out a loose plan of different places I was going to stop and go. I live in Wisconsin. So I was just going to go south to probably South Carolina. And um, I decided I was going to meet people that I would feel kind of energetically drawn to interview them, ask them a few questions about who they are, where they're from. Are they in a relationship? Tell me about the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of move on from there. And I was like, this is what I do. I was a consultant for many years. I thought this is, this is what I do for a living. It'll be fine. No problem. And um, what I found was that on these stops, as I started talking to people, the conversations got very in-depth. So it was more quality, less quantity, more quality. And then I had so much drive time that I had like just a lot of reflection. And, um, and as I drove, I was, would talk to girlfriends and we would um, dive deep into different stories of our own lives or these, I would say, I talked to this person today and here's what we talked about. And it would trigger these, these um, conversations from our own past the relationships that we had. Um, and so what happened was I, I wound up kind of diving, diving deeply into my own kind of past and history of what brought me along on this journey. And so my book really it, it kind of got broken into a couple of different different sections. The first section is called the winding road, and it's all about kind of what what brought me to into the idea of writing the book. The next section is called packing and unpacking real life, which sort of is like what <laughs> roller derby, um, getting divorced, and all of those real life moments that were like how did I get robbed twice? Like what happened? And when we, when we go on our social media, we tend to share like our highlight reels. What, you know what I mean? We see like the great stuff that people you know tend to share, but it's those in-between moments that really make up what, what happens in life. Um, we, we tend to share the highs, we mask the lows and we don't take up, like we don't live up here all the time, but we don't take up residence in the low spaces either. And what I, what I found was that as I was writing, I was like, there's this introductory phase. There's this, this is what's really happening in life. And then there was this road trip and it happened in the month of August. So the third section is called August adventures. And it's all about, you know, what happened. And in that August timeframe, it's all about that inner work and, and what happened in those conversations that were like, I guess I do still have a little bit of work that I need to do on some of those things that I thought I had already processed. And it's really, it's all about that journey through kind of that, you know, like what, like I was saying earlier, kind of going back through that hopelessness and that grief and back up to, no, I'm good. I have the courage. I've got the willingness to go through this and I'm okay. You know what? I'm still navigating some of the fear of, of what's happened in real life and you know what, I'm willing to go through it and I'm going to be all right. And it's, it's, it's kind of those things that we don't always talk about. And especially as women, um, sometimes we muscle through and we're like, nope, we're okay. Gotta be fine. I'm going to be, I'm going to be all right. I can do this myself and I'm going to make it and I'm going to be okay. No, there were some moments in there that I was like, no, I'm, I don't think I'm okay. I don't think I'm going to be okay. 
Um, there's some conversations that were pretty raw. Um, there's some very vulnerable moments that I shared in here. Um, but I did it because I had a very good friend who shared, who I had shared some of the information here with. And he'd said to me, people today crave the truth. People need the truth. And if you can't tell the truth, what good are you? And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. And if it's scary and it's making my palms sweat, it's probably what I need to release. And it might be what somebody else needs. It might just be what somebody else needs to be a part of their healing too. And, um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's all in here and how it got there. <laughs> I love that. Well, I can't, I can't wait to read it. So that's, that's awesome. Well, I, hope, there... you, I hope you enjoy it. And when you do, you'll have to let me know what you think. Yes, absolutely. I, absolutely. Cause it sounds wonderful. So is there anything else that you think our listeners need to know before we go today? Anything we haven't talked about? Um, well, I would share that there's, there are some things in the book that I would say are kind of dark. Okay. So, um, it, there are some touches on sexual assault. There are some touches on like, I do talk about a pet dying in the middle of it. I re- the book is available on Audible and it's actually, I think it's on Apple books too. And it's on sale for the month of May. So depending on when this is released, I think it's on sale um, for the month of May on um, Apple books too. Um, so there are some things in there. And so I just want to make people aware that it, it, it's not like all, all dark, but it's not all, all light either. So I just want to make sure that people are aware. But can I read, can I read just a poem that's in here in the beginning? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. This is by an unknown artist and it's included in the beginning. And it says, a goddess is a woman who emerges from deep within herself. She is a woman who has honestly explored her darkness and learned to celebrate her light. She is a woman who is able to fall in love with the magnificent possibilities within her. She is a woman who knows of the magic and mysterious places inside her the sacred places that can nurture her soul and make her whole. She is a woman who radiates light. She is magnetic. I love that. I love it too. I love it too. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. I loved our conversation. Thank you. Yes, me too. To our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day? Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.